You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Welcome to Millennium Discourses with Sajjad Ayyub and Sheikh Ibrahim Skaitama. We're on discourse number 12, which is being present in the moment. So if we take death as your advisor, this is a profound statement that connects closely to being present in the moment. What are you actually saying here? So we, we did speak before, Sajjad uh, Saab, about this, these two kind of endeavors. I mean, the one endeavor is the grand accumulation um, that you consider your life is all about what you amass. And it really is the, uh, the skill that's exercised. There is a skill in laying up or, or, or accumulating. But then there's another skill that we can have as human beings, and that is, is loss. And um, uh, how to give up rather than how to accumulate. Fundamentally, uh, the question is, which one of these skills is actually the most useful to develop? And um, uh, if you assumed that you didn't die, then actually it would be no question about it. I mean, you know, then he who does have the most toys wins because those toys will never get taken away from you. And then there's the this ongoing um, accumulation becomes sort of the purpose of one's life. And it's very interesting that people who who do that very often give very little thought to death. And uh, also people who have a very materialist kind of orientation, um, they get really creeped out by the thought of death. I mean, if you just talk about death, then they find the uh, they find you um, uh, really sort of off-putting and, and somewhat distasteful. You know, I mean, how dare you bring this nasty sort of subject into the room? You know, I mean, it's far worse than talking religion and politics. Just talk to people about death. They find it really creepy. You know? So the other propensity that we, so, so, so what, what makes it possible for us to take this issue of uh, developing the, uh, the skill of handing over, of submitting uh, seriously? It is because we keep on reminding ourselves that we are going to die. And that, on the, that, that when we step into a grave, this is an examination. And the only question they ask you in this examination isn't, you know, how much have you accumulated? But how, how easily can you lose it all unconditionally right now? That's the only question that death ever asks of you. So if you wish to develop the skill of being able to hand over, just remind yourself that how inevitable it is. You know, because it stands to reason that you can't pass an exam you're not going to study for. And if the, 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 the exam you write at the end of your life only asks you this one question, and that is, you know, can you lose absolutely everything unconditionally right now, you know, and you, you're not going to study for that exam, it's unlikely that you're going to pass for it. So how do we study for that exam? We learn how to do the little bits of handing over that's required of us incrementally, moment by moment, that we're alive. So we engage our day-to-day -day life on the basis of what we can contribute or give or how we can serve, rather than what we're trying to accumulate ourselves. 
So, so if this taking your death as your advisor is a key, it's a principal enabler of the good life. Um, you know, of the good life in the sense of the moral life, the truly moral life, not the you know moral life. Oh, I don't want people to think I'm a bad person. Moral life, but the, a life that's that's that lived in in every instance deliberately trying to act in the best interest of the other. That's what you could call a moral life. So you state that everything we do is for our benefit is fundamentally futile. Are you saying that I shouldn't work at my job or look after my family because part of that is because I want a better life and more benefits? I mean, I mean, it is unconditionally true. It is absolutely and incontrovertibly true that everything that you own is going to be owned by somebody else and probably sooner than you think. Uh, so, so your sense that you're accumulating the stuff and your benefit is really naive. You know, I mean, that uh, uh, you really are um, a stranger lost uh, in a way station. Um, you know, this, uh, this is all very uh, transient, this whole thing. So in that sense, yes, that uh, everything that you try and do to pursue your own immediate interest, that it really is futile. In the face of death, it's futile. And I mean, Allah says so in Surah Al-Asr, you know, everything that you do is fundamentally futile. Everything is going to be taken away. Um, uh, so uh, now the question then is, well, should I then, should I then go and sit with sackcloth and ashes uh, and not take care of my family and, you know, pay the bond and put the kids through school and, well, unfortunately not, um, uh, because um, this capacity to hand over, I mean, so, so you, the journey has a purpose. The, 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 and one way of trying to uh, sort of um, undermine what's happening to us is to think that we can short circuit the journey. You know, so, okay, well, well let me just burn down the house and walk away and sort of go and live in the forest. Then I'm fine. No, you're not fine. Because the same miserable being that thought he could construct his happiness on the basis of the house and the, goes with you to the forest. And before you know it, you're now building the best hut in the forest, you know, and you're competing with the other uh, recluses in the forest. <laughs> so do you, do you understand? I mean, the, the project isn't burning, burning the thing on the outside. The project is the problem in the inside. You know, that you are, you are, you are, you are making this thing carry your happiness. You know, it's not going to carry you up. It's going to make you unhappy. It's not going to make you happy. So it's not to say that you shouldn't have the career, that you shouldn't have the children, but what will happen is that in the process of pursuing that, you will experience a sense of futility, which will then introduce you to the appropriate pursuit, which is the inner awakening, the, the sort of your, 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 um, your sense of connectedness with all of existence. That's what we're here to experience. So, so, so now, but now the problem is that you can't have that if you then lose it. Mm. So this, this standing apart from, being alienated from, being differentiated, you know, being, the, being on my own, having to make my life work is a waste station. It's a necessary waste station. You can't discover the ecstasy if you hadn't lost it. Mm. 
We are alienated so that we can go home. You know, so the whole pro the whole issue is process. The whole issue is increments. It's not absolutes. You know, otherwise, why don't we just all collectively commit suicide? You know, I, I want to end the misery once and for all. This is a very kind of uh, convenient way of doing it. I just don't think it's acceptable. Uh, you know, you, there's, you can dramatically step out of your life, you know, just, you know, put a 38 special to your head. I mean, that's, uh, the, I don't think that's really appropriate. You know, the, you, 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 you get led out of your life incrementally. You get led into a state of exile and you get led back out of that state of exile. And the reason why you get led into the state of exile and then back home is so that you can really, with hindsight and uh, um, uh, true conviction, say, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. There's none but him. Mm. I can now say that not as an expression of uh, belief, but an expression of first-hand experience. Mm. I have pursued other things, and I have failed at other things, and I've had seen misery on the basis of my pursuit of other things. And I've come back to the one. And I can therefore attest that there is none other. But if I haven't been alienated and I've not gone on the journey, then coming home is, is uh, then there's no, there's no, there's, there's almost a falseness to this. So, <coughs> you know, we, we, the Shahada is a bearing of bearing witness, I bear witness, Ashhadu, I bear witness. Now, what would you call somebody who bears witness to something that they haven't witnessed? I would call that person a liar. A person who hasn't actually been tested by life and who hasn't actually pursued the false so that they can discover the real. Mm. When that person shahada is false in essence because they are bearing witness to something they haven't actually witnessed you know? so unless you engage the journey and you 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 do try to go beyond the futility of your day-to-day -day endeavors and you, you you actually experience the futility of your day-to-day -day endeavors and you then come back to the core reality then basically your protestations of shahada are, are just that. They're literally just that. It's um, it's propaganda. It's not uh, it's not bearing witness. Thank you for that. Unconditionally motive suggests that many benefits you describe as fruits of the garden of freedom, security, and ecstasy. Please tell us more about this. And we often talk about being in our own head. What is the root medicine for this? It's kind of like two questions in one. I'll, I'll deal with um, I'll deal with the first. Mm. So, if I base my security on anything I'm trying to get from the world, then the question to ask is: How often does the world that you're in give you exactly what you wanted at that particular point in time? Mm. And I can tell you with out fear of contradiction, the one that I'm in never does that with me. Because there's always something I can complain about. Right now, I've got a bit of a headache. Um, uh, I have a, you know, in, 
half an hour's time, I will have some other discomfort. And uh, this is the nature of being human. So if uh, it's the, the world cannot deliver you a set of conditions that are going to suit you right now. It's not how things work. So if you base your sense of security on whatever the world delivers to you, you will stay insecure. And the further implication to this is that if you think that you can own enough things to make you feel secure, we have spoken about this before, that's drinking salt water for thirst. Yeah. You know, you're, nothing makes you know, so get it, you know. But if I, so is it conceivable that you could base your sense of security on your ability to hand over unconditionally whatever the situation that you're in requires of you. So if I base my security on my ability on to do, to act appropriately in every situation that I'm in, the question is how often is it possible for you to choose to act appropriately in every situation that you're in? Actually, always. In any situation you're in, you can choose to shift how you're engaging the situation from what you're trying to get to what you can give. And if you make the project, you root your sense of security and your, your ability to give unconditionally in the situation that you're in, you will be secure. So if you base your sense of security on what you're getting, you will stay insecure. If you base your sense of security on what you're giving, you will be secure. You know? So it's kind of like learning, you know, people can make all sorts of bizarre things actually the important thing. I mean, how is it that in one culture, people choose to make one thing significant and in another culture, people choose to make something else significant? You know, so that's, um, Freud had a term for this. I mean, he's speaking about human sexuality, but this is true for everything human. We are polymorphously perverse. We can choose to make absolutely the most bizarre thing significant. Having slit cheeks, we can make significant. Having a, a ring in your, you know, we can make. So choose to make not what you're getting from your life significant. Choose to make how well you can give appropriately in the situation that you're in significant. Because when you do that, you're actually far closer to being free and actually cultivating a sense of, uh, of, of fulfillment in your life than what you are if you don't. I mean, if I base my, my happiness on what I'm getting from you, my happiness is in your hands. Mm. But when I base my happiness not on what's coming from you to me, but from what's leaving me to you, and I base my happiness on that, then you've got no control over my state. My happiness doesn't, isn't accounted for by what you're doing to me. I, my happiness is accounted for by what I'm doing to you. Mm. So I'll always be happy. I'm free. I'm not a bondsman. I'm not a slave. Happiness. Not your slave. Exactly that. Yeah. So happiness comes from the ability to act, to root your happiness in the ability to act unconditionally in the interest of the other in every situation that you're in. And when you do that, you discover the most extraordinary thing. When you truly act unconditionally in the interest of the other in the situation that you're in, you discover that the world has your back. Life has your back. That the whole of existence, his theater, orchestrates in your benefit in ways you can't even begin to account for, that you can't even begin to fathom, that you could never manage because it's too big. 
And then you discover that actually things that do get taken away from you when you behave like that get taken away from you in your interest. All the losses you have are losses in your interest. All the suffering you have is actually in your interest. That the whole of your life is blessing. There isn't, an, there isn't a date stone of curse in it. Which of the blessings of your Lord will you deny? There is no curse in it. There's only blessing. That happens when you deliberately cultivate the skill of acting appropriately in the situation that you're in, in every situation. You do that, the whole of the universe becomes your ally and your benefactor. You act on the basis of your own interests, the whole of the universe, which is his theater, his bondsman, his tools, let you get on with it. Well then, you think you can, you think you can outsmart this, this thing, then go ahead and try. You will fail. Thank you very much for that. Now in this time of lockdown, it seems being present in the moment would serve people well and the idea of be here now. Would you, would you agree with that? Mm, yes, yes. Yeah, I think that's true. Mm. I mean, it's um, not, not just that. It's, um, it's an invitation to do that. I mean, you can't, you know, uh, so, so you, you, you're invited to find that which is satisfying in what is immediately around you and not on the other side of some, of, of whatever it is, whatever the endeavor is, on the other side of the city, the other side of the project, whatever the goal is, you know, that's, uh, you, if you lock down, you can't, pursue that. So you're invited to examine where you are and to find pleasure in the things that we spoke about before, which is learning how to grant, to, to make the, the quality whereby you do things, the project, you know, I mean, if you can't go out to have a five course meal at some fancy restaurant, then maybe you can you can have a much smaller, more modest meal in your own kitchen that you make damn sure you save every mouthful. You know that so it's the it's uh, we really are invited by this current experience to go within and to be contained and to grant to put our attention in, in what's immediately around us and not on the other side of the of the wall. Because it's true, you know, we are looking over the wall for something that we're standing. We're standing in the garden that has all the delights in it. And we're looking over the wall. We think the happiness is on the other side of the wall. You know, you've got to look this side of the wall, not on the other side of the wall. So that's taking pleasure in the walking, the eating, mm. the dressing, mm. the, the, the treating of your spouse, your children, your home. Yeah. Everything yeah. with that yeah. Yeah. viewpoint of being out here, yeah. observing yeah. here rather than yeah, that's right. Um, that's right. Yeah. So there are things that one can do to sort of um, enhance that experience, and then particularly with your with your practice, particularly with your salah. Um, you know, to make sure that the person who's doing the salah actually is on the masala before you make the takbir. 
you know, because how often does one have it that you, you've made the salam and you've been so distracted with some project or some problem that you can't even, did I do the right number of rakats? You know, I mean, I was, you know, kind of like, that, that can happen, you know, you get so caught up in, and uh, so your imagination is, you're not, pre, you're not actually, I mean, you're not present in this a lot. So there, there's, um, there's, uh, um, there's some sort of exercises in attention that can make that easier. And the one is when you, um, uh, uh, if you, if you're really suffering from a lot of noise, the first thing you do is when you step onto the masala, you you pick out three colors in the room. So you decide. I mean, you know, what it, what's all the objects in the room that are red? And you you pick them up, and then you ask yourself, okay, so what are all the objects in the room that are blue? You pick them out. And what's all black? You pick them out. And what that's doing is that it's just taking your attention from that fight you've had with that guy in the market. And it's, it's taking your attention for a moment, it's putting it back to you in this room, this room here now. You start off visually. And there's a Russian office, but uh, we, uh, it's not important that we go into it. Then the next thing you do is you go audio. Pick up three sounds. What's the furthest sound that I can actually hear right now? What's in the intermediate distance? What are the sounds that are right around me now? So again, you're pulling your attention from far back in audially. And then you go kinesthetic. What does it feel like? What do my feet on the masala feel like? You know, if I'm barefoot, particularly, I mean, can I feel the carpet? Um, any, any smells in the room? Can I, you know, now I do it, Akbir. Now the person who is praying has actually arrived on the masala. Otherwise, the masala was actually just a vacant space. So, so this is a very helpful uh, technique of becoming present in your salah to actually give attention to the to give attention to just what it feels like to be on the masala before you make the tagbir and also to make all of the postures deliberate can you just you know, repeat, i mean um uh, can you just repeat that the line just went off for a second uh, okay so 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 also to make all of the all of the postures of the salah deliberate you know, in, in other words, um, the, when you go into Ruku, do a, do a few more dhikrs uh, than what you normally do, just be in the Ruku. You know, when you, when you go into Sajda, be in Sajda. Ask yourself afterwards, if I did this really well, what would it feel like? You know, like, um, you know, what, posturally, what would it feel like? And always try and make get into good posture. Do the thing to do it well. You know, be when you and you know. I, I heard once the hadith of the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He said that when you, if you watched him in Salah, 
Um, it didn't look like he was that uh, any one of the postures was between the posture and the next posture. You know, I mean, he looked like that was that's what he was doing. He was doing that. To, he was doing that thing. So when he was in the Ruku, he was in the Ruku. Ruku wasn't an inst interspace between uh, uh, Qiyam and Sajda. Mm. Yeah. So that, do your Salah to do it well. Become, make it practice. You know, do, every time you go, every time you step onto the Salah, give attention to the postures. Do them to do them well. Don't just do the Salah to get through the Salah because, you know, it's a follow. So you think be present, be deliberate, be focused, feel the three colors, the auditory, kinesthetic, and the visual. Align yourself and be present. SubhanAllah. Be present. SubhanAllah. Thank you again. Thank you very much. Listeners, you are listening to Millennium Discourses. We will be back tomorrow with another topic. We would like to thank Etsko Skatema. Till tomorrow, Allah Hafiz from us all.